0: Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad.
1: It seems as though Revelation 12 is suggesting that the most powerful spiritual warfare weapon we have is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so all along, church, as we've been saying, we we want to be a gospel-centered church. We want to do everything that we want to sing the gospel, pray the gospel, preach the gospel, take the gospel to the city. When we've been doing that, you may not have realized that, but we have been waging war on Satan himself.
0: is powerful singing worship songs inspires your heart and draws you closer to your father in heaven meeting together to listen to god's word and fellowship is essential to our growth and health as believers they're all important factors for believers but as pastor ricky continues to examine the book of revelation he's going to draw our attention to a vital truth that it reveals the gospel of jesus christ is the most powerful weapon that we have as we face the attack of our enemy now let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, as he continues his message Here There Be Dragons.
1: This is the reality throughout Jesus' life, from his very birth until his death, Satan roared and snapped and tried to destroy. He sends Herod and the slaughterer of the innocents. There's all these demonic people. Uh, You ever wonder why Jesus keeps running into demons everywhere? This guy might have something to do with it. And then on the cross, it seems as though Satan triumphs. The, the serpent does bruise, and, and this is literal, does bruise the heel of Jesus because of what you die from on the cross is not blood loss, but suffocation. As people hung there and pushed themselves up repeatedly with their heel until they could not anymore suffocate and died. So Satan rejoices. He thinks, Ha, there he is in the tomb. We're done. Game over. Until Sunday, when on Sunday, Jesus Christ ascends with a rod of iron from the tomb and the power of the serpent is proven worthless in the face of Jesus Christ. That, ultimately, that is what we're meant to see in verse 5. Now, it is clear from Revelation that the ultimate final defeat of the dragon will be at the end of history, which we will read uh, very soon in Revelation. And we don't know all of God's purposes for allowing some measure of the dragon's ferocious hatred and and, and, uh, influence in the world. But we do know this that God delays the final day of the Lord in his mercy that more may be saved, that the gospel would go to every tribe, tongue, people, and language, and all of God's people would be gathered. He delays in his mercy, and while he delays, the dragon roars. Now, verse seven. Now, when war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back Down who accuses them day and night before our God. Now, there's a key decision. This is exciting, right? I mean this is this is pretty cool. I mean, especially for me, when I found this part of my Bible at age twelve, I was like, there it is. There's this stuff. Spiritual warfare. Now, the, the key decision, though, is, is what is this talking about? Is, is this before even kind of world history? Is this way back before Genesis 1 where, you know, uh, this is the fall of Satan that we're seeing in a flashback? Or is this a, a flash forward to the end of time where he'll be thrown down? Or is this the present? What, what is going on here? Well, if you're trying to interpret something confusing, look for something clear, Right? Like, if you're like, that, that's really confusing, then look around it for like, okay, well, is there any place, is there a handhold that I can hold on to here that will help me get there? And there is. I think it's verse 10. Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. So when is that? Well, it seems like when Christ completed his death, and res- resurrection and return to the right hand of the Father, right? I mean, it, it, that is what it seemed on its face to, 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 to say to us. Now, the salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, especially in context with the preceding verses, And that seems to line up uh, with other sections of scripture like John 12, 31 or Luke 10, 18 that suggests during the ministry of Jesus, he he makes this reference to Satan falling like lightning, meaning Jesus has shown up. The seed of the woman has shown up and Satan's power is about to be curtailed. Now, it could be. uh, Now, why would it say then that Michael and his army though remove the devil and his demons from heaven. Wouldn't it be Jesus? Well, it could be that what is in view here is that until the work of Christ, Satan was allowed to have some level of access or standing in heaven in order to make his accusations against the people of God. So we see this in in Job, for example. But now after the cross, now after the death and resurrection of God, Satan loses the standing by which to make any accusations. So just think of it this way. Before Jesus, Satan had, I think it was, uh, was uh, Beal who said, Satan had a little bit of a point before Jesus. Meaning this, any believer or any, any Old Testament uh, um, Jewish person that was, was sacrificing uh, the right animals, was doing the right things. Uh, but we read in Hebrews, the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. So they would die after having made these sacrifices in faith to the Lord, but it was kind of like, but how are you gonna remove their sin? That one died, and so Satan would come up and say, look at this one, look at this one, another one. He made the sacrifice, he did this. But, but look at how he talked to his wife. Look at how he moved the boundary at his neighbor's property. Oh, and this one, look, look, they committed adultery in their heart. Can't you see that over and over and over again? And he accuses, and he accuses, and look at that one, and look at this one, and look at that one. And, and they're a sinner, they're a sinner. They must be cast out, they're a sinner. They must be damned, they're a sinner. But what happens after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? The accuser of the brethren, before the accusation can leave his mouth, is silenced by the blood of Jesus. Here's what happens over and over and over again. Satan says, but what about this one? And Jesus says, covered. What about that one? Saved. What about that one? Redeemed. What about that one? Reconciled. What about that one? Justified. And I may be reading a little bit into this, but I think what happens is Jesus says, Michael, Get this guy out of here for me. And Michael says, With pleasure, sir. And Satan and his demons are like, No, we want to stay here. We're going to level accusations. And Michael says, Uh uh. You have no standing, Satan. That, I think, is what we see in view here. Now, again, verse 10 lays out a reality that the salvation and power and kingdom of God and the authority of Christ has come and the accuser of the brothers have been thrown down. And for this part of it, we're just in the stands. We're clapping. We're like, get him, Jesus. Get him, Michael. Yeah. And yet then in verse 11, we discover, oh, we're on the field. Verse 11, and they have conquered him. They, who's they? The saints. They have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even to death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Now here is what is surprising. We're we're not passive observers. The the people of God are not passive observers. They are on the field. And this phrase, they have conquered, Vince and I were looking at this this week. Uh, Vince, help me note that 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 phrase, which is past, I'm sorry, grammar nerd uh, side trail here. Everybody, I'll tell you when to tune back in. That they have conquered is past tense, but in the original language, it's what's called the aorist tense, which is the summary tense. Meaning, from a cosmic perspective, it's like we look back, we see the whole history of God's people, and the summary statement over God's people is, they have conquered. Meaning this, Old Testament, conquered. The believers in the first century conquered. Second century conquered. Third century conquered. Fourth, fifth, 21st century. Here's the end of the story in the 21st century. They have conquered. Until the end of time when Jesus returns to claim his bride, that will be the summary statement over the church. They have conquered. Oh, isn't that good news? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be encouraging to read in the second or third century where you're like, Caesar seems pretty powerful. These people don't like us. Now you're also telling us about a dragon. What are we supposed to do with this? Jesus says, the summary over you, brothers and sisters, is they've conquered. And, and, and isn't that not what we see? In the first century where it seemed like the church was hanging on by a thread about to be snuffed out by the power of Rome, the gospel spread to Samaria in Judea, in North Africa, and into Italy. And the centuries since then, it it, it continued to spread through Europe into Africa. And and here's one of the most unique things about Christianity versus other world religions. The center of Christianity keeps moving and changing. Where other religions have their center fixed with an ethnic group, a people group, uh, uh, for the most part, stay there and may spread out from there. Christianity is just all over the place. It's here, now it's here, now it's here, now it's here. It's everywhere. Why? (laughs) Satan continues to fail year after year after year, and he will continue until the end. Now, notice, though, what it says Satan's big weapon is, right? Satan's big ability. My my son, uh, Cohen, is into Pokemon cards right now. So if you're 11 or 12, this is where you jump back into the message. He's into Pokemon cards, and there's like it, on each pokemon there's like an attack and they have like a lame attack and an okay attack and then like the boom like you're dead and so you're so it seems as a revelation is saying oh boy here comes his big attack here's the big attack of satan and you're like i knew it it's it's like demons in the woods or it's you know some some crazy you know possessing a world leader or whatever you know no the big attack of satan is accusation, and you're like, what? That doesn't seem like anything. Now we're going to get into the fact that that Satan uses attack in the form of the beast. He uses deception in the form of the false prophet. He uses seduction in the form of Babylon. But what he's called here is the accuser of our brothers, and the thing that he had that was most deadly was his accusation. Look, I, I, I've started journaling recently, and. I'm the advice of, of a good biblical counselor I'm talking to. And, and he's like, okay, I want you to just, sometimes when you're discouraged, get some of these thoughts out on paper. And so I was surprised because I was like, okay, some of these thoughts going through my mind. When I, when I mess up or fail, he, here's what goes through my mind. Ricky, you're a failure. You are worthless. You can't help others look at you. Look at your impatience with your kids. Look at how you failed to love your wife. Look at how a friend was in need and you did nothing. You didn't reach out to them. This other person was hurting. You didn't help them. Oh, brother, sister. I mean that that look, I've been through some like physical pain in the last two or three years. That hurts worse. That disables you. That makes me feel like I'm on my knees. So I was sharing this with somebody and they, they listened to a little bit of that and they just said, you know, that sounds satanic. And I was like, well, that's not satanic. Satanic is like when he like, you know, brings a dead body back to life and it's like, Aah! right? I mean, that's the kind of activity I'm looking for from Satan. But this is what Revelation 12 says. This, this is the thing that destroys Christians if they will listen to his voice. The playbook of Satan has not changed from what we see in the Bible. Here's what he does. In Genesis 3, he tempts people to sin, and in the rest of the Bible, he condemns them for the sin. Hey, why don't you sin? Oh, look, you sin. You're the worst. It's not that bad, you'll be fine. You're the worst, right? That's, and so here's the reality. In the Bible, we have Satan's playbook. You know, it's like we stole the enemy's playbook and we opened the binder and there are two plays. And you're like, oh, I think we could do this, right? Play number one, seduction, deception. Play number two, condemnation, accusation. Over and over and over and over again. So what do the people of God do? I remember being on the phone with that guy I was talking to with all this complicated demonology stuff. And, and, and I said, well, brother, are you a Christian? <laughs> and he's like, well, what do you mean? He's like, I read my Bible. And I'm like, no, 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 but, but are you a Christian? Have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation? Called upon the name of the Lord and committed to follow him all the days of your life. And he was like, well, sometimes I go to church. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. So I began to draw him out and I, and I began to realize, I, I don't know if this guy is a Christian. So I, I, at the end, kind of in summary, I told him, brother, the way to silence the enemy is with the blood of the lamb. Right, that, that is... The weapon laid out for us in Revelation chapter 12. And when we do that, James 4:7 says, resist the devil and he will flee. So sometimes we were like, I need to do demon warfare, I need like a chart, like you know, all over the wall with strings and you know, doing that stuff. No, this is it, brothers and sisters. They conquered by the blood of the lamb. Meaning this, when Satan brings an accusation, we answer with the blood of the lamb. I want you to see what this looks like and feels like. For example, the accusation comes. By the way, these are all from me. (laughs) You write your own. You are so far from God. God would never accept someone like you. You'll never get close to him. But the answer in Ephesians 2 is this. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You say, no, Satan, I was far from God, but Christ has brought me near. Or maybe Satan says, you're no one to God. God doesn't care about you. He doesn't see you. He doesn't remember you. His attention is not on you. He has no obligation to you. Galatians 4 says this, that Jesus came to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has spent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And you're saying, yes, Satan, because of Jesus' work, we relate to God differently. I was nothing to him. I was far from him. I had no access to him. But he has grabbed me through the blood of Jesus Christ and made me a son. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Yes. (sighs) What about this? Your future is without hope. You have no future. You look at the future and it is an empty void. And you wonder if God will be there. If you wonder if God cares about you. You wonder, what happens if this marriage breaks up? What happens if my kids turn away from the faith? If I lose my job? If my cancer doesn't improve? What happens then? God doesn't know. God doesn't care. This is the answer, 1 Peter 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To, listen, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, Kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Meaning this, that when Satan shows you your future and it's an empty void and there's nothing there, you say no. I can fill in the picture. I know what's going to happen. There is an inheritance, imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for me. And by the way, I, until that day, am being guarded by the power of God himself. And this is all not my doing. It doesn't depend on how good I can make that future. I hate it when people are like, you gotta, you gotta you know, manifest your future, you gotta you know, kind of project yourself to create a future. No, I can't project nothing, but Jesus can. Look, here, here's the thing. When we make demonology, Satanology, all this stuff so complicated, and we gotta do all these complicated things, listen, it's good to pray in the name of Jesus, yes. Resist the devil, Yes. But it seems as though Revelation 12 is suggesting that the most powerful spiritual warfare weapon we have is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so all along, church, as we've been saying, we, we want to be a gospel-centered church. We want to do everything that we want to sing the gospel, pray the gospel, preach the gospel, take the gospel to the city. When we've been doing that, you may not have realized that, but we have been waging war on Satan himself. Oh, man. There's so much I could say. There is so much I could say here. All right, so here's what I, I want you to just very briefly look at verses 11 to 17. It's this, it's this picture of God's people fleeing into the desert and the serpent in verse 15, pouring water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the flood. Well, what is that? Well, in Revelation, warfare is done through words. So that the accusations of the enemy, the deceptions of the enemy, they're pouring out of his mouth seeking to destroy the woman. But verse 16, but the earth came to the help of the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured. And then the dragon became furious and went off to make war. Look, this is the reality. The third point is very simple and, and brief. Trust God's ongoing protection. Expect that the dragon is going to keep raging. He's going to keep pouring seduction, deception, accusation out of his mouth. We must expect his work. We must not not forget that some of the thoughts that may haunt you in your mind are just the work of the enemy. But we must also see this. God preserves his people from the dragon. Isaiah 43 three two says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And, though the, and through the rivers, they will not overflow you. What, what, does, that epi- what does that seem to echo? <laughs> does that seem to echo the Exodus? Where it seems to says, there's no way through this water. There's no way to do it. We're dead. We're about to get killed by a satanic Egyptian army behind us. And, Jesus, and, and, and God himself parts the waters holds back the waters to preserve his people God still does the same work today so expect the work of the enemy but also expect God will preserve you brother or sister when you think I don't know if I can make it man this, this war is hard the dragon's big his roar is terrible I feel the fire I'm getting singed here I'm getting more than singed here God preserves his people
0: Open God, oh my soul, he gets strong he
1: strong to save. Open God, he's a rock and you hide in place. He's a mighty fortress.
0: Imagine you're sitting in a large theater and the curtain is down. There's a lot of anticipation about what's about to be seen on stage, but the curtain is covering up all of the stage props. As the music starts, the curtain goes up, and you're able to see what's before you. The word revelation comes from the Greek word apocalypse, which refers to an unveiling. So think of the book of Revelation as a type of unveiling or revealing of what God plans to do in the future. It's pretty great that God gives clues and glimpses into the future rather than just leaving you to wonder with no frame of reference. As Pastor Ricky has been teaching through the Book of Revelation here on Better News Radio, we trust that you've gained some valuable insights into God's heart and desire for a relationship with mankind. If you have some questions about what you've heard today, you can give us a call at 915 562 7100 Once more, that number is 915 915- Pastor Ricky Alcantad is the pastor of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. If you're interested in joining us for more teachings in person, go to betternewsradio.com and click on the church tab. There you'll be able to access information about where we're located and service times. We trust that you're enjoying this series in the book of Revelation and we look forward to the next edition. In the meantime, stay deeply rooted in God's word and look for ways that God is speaking to you on Better News Radio.